Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, once again, we want to welcome you today, whether you are here in the room or watching online or in Auditorium 2. So glad that you are here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 today. Matthew chapter 1. Does this happen to you? Like, I'll be, I'll be driving down the highway, listening to a song, podcast, something. My mind goes a certain place, and I'm just cruising. I'm moving down the highway, and I all of a sudden realize I just blew right past my exit. Anybody else? You do that? You're like, oh, man, I just, I missed it. And, and for, you know, for whatever reason, I've gotten to the point, not because I don't know where I'm going, but there's times I set my GPS just because I don't trust myself. Anybody? <laughs> because... What happens is I get so focused on the moving that I miss out on the why I'm moving in the first place. Today's message is a little bit like some Christmas GPS because it's possible that I can get moving so quick in this season, so caught up in the things that are happening around me that I can kind of blow right through December and forget what Christmas is really all about. Anybody else? And so today what I want to do is I want to look at the Christmas story. It's told two places in the Bible. We read the details of the Christmas story in part in the Gospel of Matthew and then in part in the Gospel of Luke. Next week, we're going to take a look at Luke's story. We're going to look at the things that Luke tells us. In fact, I'm I'm really excited about next week because we're going to look at this little detail that runs through Luke's story that sometimes we can just miss if we're not careful. So we're gonna look at that next week. But today we're gonna look at the Gospel of Matthew. In particular, I wanna see it through the eyes of Joseph, the man who would become the earthly father of Jesus. And so this is the story, the details that we get about the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter one, beginning with verse 18. says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. It's a pretty good synopsis of the story, isn't it? This is when the angel comes to Joseph. This is kind of the intro part and gives us, and then this is kind of as far as Matthew takes us before he takes us right to the birth in Bethlehem. And this is what we find out about Joseph and what he sees. And we can be so familiar with this story. We can be so used to it that just like me on the highway, we can blow right past it without actually stopping to go, why? Like, why is this story being told? And why is this so important? Well, why do we take time and tell this story and look at it for multiple weeks when it's the same story we looked at last year? Remember that? (laughs) Why do we do this? Well, fortunately, Matthew helps us because after he tells us all of this about Joseph, he stops for a minute and he gives us the reason we're looking at this for the first place. Matthew chapter one, verse 22, after everything he's just said about Joseph and the angel and Mary and the baby, he says, all this took place. This is the why right here. I'm telling you why. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. 
The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. What I want to do for the next few moments is kind of take those verses, verses 22 and 23, and break them down for us and show us why Christmas is so important, why this is something that we should look at and consider, what we don't want to miss. I want to look at four things Christmas reminds us, four things about God, about this holiday, about this season, about this story that God wants us to see here, four things that Christmas reminds us so that before we roll any further through this season, there's some things that are good for us to stop and remember Four things that Christmas reminds us. Here's the first one. Number one, God has a plan. Number one, God has a plan. Let's go back to the text. Matthew chapter one, verse 22. It says, all this took place to fulfill, remember this, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. One of the things, if you read through Matthew's gospel, which tells us the story of Jesus, one of the things that Matthew does very effectively, in fact, he does it at least 18 times in his gospel, is he takes an Old Testament prophecy, something from the, the old Jewish scriptures, and he ties it into the story of Jesus in the New Testament. So at least 18 times, you're gonna read something like this. Like, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. So he's constantly connecting the dots. He's constantly saying to people, look, what you read about hundreds of years ago is coming true in the life of Jesus. And he's making that connection for people over and over and over again. The very first time he does it is here. Matthew chapter one, verse 22. And he says, look, I want you to see something. If we're gonna talk about this story of Jesus, I want you to know that why Christmas happened. All this took place was to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. It's going all the way back to this prophecy from hundreds of years before. Matthew's gonna do it repeatedly. This is the first time. And he's looking back to a verse in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14, hundreds of years before, Isaiah prophesies, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. Sounds just like what Matthew just said, doesn't it? Because he's pulling on that historically. Why is he doing that? Well, when Isaiah said this, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, he was initially prophesying to the king at that time. King Ahaz was the king of Judah. He had two enemies who were coming against him. He didn't know what to do, and he wasn't trusting in the Lord. And Isaiah the prophet said, hello, hello, hello. God is gonna deliver you. He's gonna save you from your enemies. And because you're having a hard time believing that, there's gonna be a sign. The sign will be that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, which we know means God with us. And then if you read the rest of the prophecy, what Isaiah says is, before that son is old enough to understand, your enemies will be destroyed because God is gonna take care of it. That's, that's the prophecy and what happens is we see it fulfilled that God does rescue Judah and this prophecy in Isaiah 7 comes true. But many prophecies in the Old Testament have what's called double fulfillment. They have fulfillment in the moment, but then their ultimate fulfillment is later. So it was immediately fulfilled in the short term when God rescued King Ahaz from his enemies, but it was ultimately fulfilled in the long term when Matthew looks at the story of Jesus and he writes, all this happened, let me tell you why this happened. All this happened because the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. You're gonna call him Emmanuel. 
So the prophecy had a fulfillment in the moment, but it also had an ultimate fulfillment later. Does that make sense? Are you you tracking with me there? Have you ever seen that happen where God does something in the moment and it's only later that you realize the big picture of what he had done? Why? Because God ain't making it up on the spot. (laughs) Why does Matthew say this 18 times? Because God has a plan and he knows what he's doing. And Matthew pulls on the Old Testament over and over again because he shows his readers, look, God's not just quick on his feet. Paul says in the book of Ephesians that before the foundation of the earth, before anything was created, God already knew what he was going to do through Christ Jesus. He had it figured out. So God's not just got this quick mind. He's had it planned out all along. Isn't it good to know that God has a plan? So when you read the Christmas story and you see the fulfillment of prophecy, it's a reminder that God has a plan. But he doesn't just have a plan for Christmas. I believe that that truth about God and his person goes even deeper. You know, I was, I was sitting at home last week and listening to Pastor Clay tell stories about, and, and I was there for so many of those stories, and to think about the history of our church and to see all that, and just thinking how God has a plan for churches too. Do you believe that? I mean, just, just think about this. I don't know if you know this, but this property that we're on, before it was a movie theater, it was actually a drive-in. Did anybody know that? Here's a picture. This is from 1940 of the property. Let's see if we can pull up this picture. 1940. That's Conant Street right there. And that's our, that's our property there, right? So it started out as a drive-in theater. Here's a, a closer picture of the, the sign outside. And then at some point in history, they colorized Conant Street. Isn't that interesting? And um, I don't remember when. Did anybody, did anybody ever see a drive-in movie here? Anybody? Did any of you sneak in in the trunk of your friend's car? Anybody, anything you want to confess? Oh, wow, praise God. We'll talk after church, brother. I'll be be right out at the fireplace for a little confessional action, and we'll take take care of all that, right? And then, then like it became the movie theater. Anybody ever see a movie here? Okay, did you stay awake more then? This is just a joke. That's a little joke, right? So there's a lot of history to this building. This week, we will celebrate... Uh, 11 years, the purchase of this property, praise God. And I can remember so clearly, yeah, God's faithful. When we went for a tour of the property and we were walking through with the guy that was the theater manager at the time, and we were walking through all the offices that we have are upstairs in the building and we were walking through. I remember we were going through one of the hallways and we were walking and he was almost like a little put out or frustrated. He goes, you know, we got all the offices in this place. We got all these offices. Movie theaters don't need a bunch of offices. I have no idea why we have all these offices. And I went, I know. Because <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be a movie theater. Because even when it was a drive-in, I guess it was an amusement park at one point too, somebody told me. Like if you, if you reach back in history, all along God knew that more than just entertainment, that there was life change that could happen here. You know why? Because God has a plan. And he's at work and he sees it. And you might sit there and you might go, okay, 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 that's cool. And so God has a plan for Christmas and I get the Old Testament stuff and I believe that God has a plan for the church. But are you sure he has a plan for little old me? Because like my life's taken some twists and turns and I've made some mistakes and I have some regrets. And I look at where I'm at right now and are you sure? 
One passage of scripture that I come back to over and over and over again in my life is Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, workmanship, masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God is making up on the spot while he watches me mess things up. Can I get an amen? <laughs> is that what it says? No, it's not what it says. It says that you are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God didn't just think of last Thursday. He prepared those in advance for us to do. From the beginning of time, it says, God had a plan for your life. You know, one of the things that we talk about in this Christmas season is that it's a season of wonder. You ever heard that? Don't just have wonder when you look at the lights or when you see a child with the, with the wonder of this season. I want you to be amazed at the fact that from the beginning of time, God has had a plan for your life. And it's for good things that he wants to do in and through your life. And if you need to be reminded of this this Christmas, do not miss this. God has a plan. But well, let's go to the second thing I hope you'll see this Christmas. Number one, God has a plan. Here's the second one. Number two, all things are possible. Number two, all things are possible. Let's go back to the text. Matthew chapter one, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive, stop, stop right there, because <laughs> that's not possible. Like that part of the story, the virgin will conceive, can't happen. And if you're sitting there going, what do you mean it can't happen? I want you to call your mom or dad, okay? Because we're not gonna talk about that part. There's a lot of details in this story that if we're not careful, we'll move right past them. And, and um, I've seen some, some memes that help you to kind of see this and understand this. People are putting up some pictures. I don't know if you've seen some of these pictures of some of the nativity sets. This one caught my attention. I just want to point something out. There was no DeLorean at the first Christmas. <laughs> at, least, at least not yet. That's, you, you get the little reference there. Do you get it? You get it? This one's my favorite. It says at the top, my mom still hasn't noticed. And you kind of have to look at the nativity set for a little while. And then all of a sudden from a galaxy far, far away, there's, there's Yoda, if you see that there. He just kind of fits right in, doesn't he? Wasn't there. Nope, I didn't mean to force that one on you. You're welcome. Yep. There's a lot of details in this story. Like, so many. I, somebody sent me a quiz a couple years ago. It was like a Christmas quiz. I was like, I've told this story over and over and over again. I'll get these details right. I missed about half of them right? because there's so much there. Lifeway Research did a survey not too long ago, and they found that only about 22% of people, only about one in five people, feel like they can tell the story accurately. Right? About 31% say, well, I can tell it, but I'm probably going to miss some of the details. 25% of people say, I can only give you kind of the bird's eye view, only a quick overview. And 17% of people say, I don't even want to talk about it, right? These are Christians who are saying, I'm not so sure I can tell you this story because there's a lot of details in the Christmas story. And can I tell you one that I think we have a tendency, especially as Protestants, to kind of just push right past, to kind of drive right past the exit, is this part about the virgin birth. Because that's crazy. Like, that's miraculous, like, that doesn't happen. Don't take my word for it. Think about Mary. When the angel shows up and says, you are going to give birth to the Messiah, watch what she says. Luke chapter one, verse 34, she says, how will this be? Can you imagine? <laughs> how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? 
And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He says, look, what is going to happen is gonna happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not anything you're gonna be able to understand. This is miraculous. And Mary, I know you're having a hard time kind of wrapping your brain around this. I know this is difficult for you to grasp, but watch how he concludes this conversation. Luke chapter one, verse 37, he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. That's a good word, isn't it? For nothing will be impossible with God. We, we have a tendency to think of the miraculous Miracles, magic a lot at this time of year. Like we'll even, we'll even let our minds go a little bit to a snowman who can dance here and there all around the square saying, catch me if you can't, right? Like we'll suspend reality a little bit to give a reindeer a nose so bright that it can guide a sleigh at night. But God is different, right? We can't put God in that same category. God is not fiction. His power is not limited to Christmas. He is a God that scripture tells us, and some of you need to hear this more than hear it, you gotta hang on to it. This isn't just a Christmas verse. For nothing will be impossible with God. We have a God who can suspend the natural and do the supernatural, true? We have a God who can surprise us. We have a God who can do things that people say can't be done. We have a God who not only has a plan, but he carries out his plan when he does the impossible in our lives. Why? Because nothing will be impossible with God. Why does God do miracles? Like Sometimes it's good for us to ask that because some of us are asking for that. I bet, I bet if we had a conversation one-on-one, there's a whole lot of us that would say, I need a miracle, <laughs> Like, I'm looking for God to do something that I can't do, that no one else can do, that only he can do. Why? When John tells his story about Jesus, it's really interesting. At the end of his book, John chapter 20, verse 30, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. He's like, I got more information than I got room to tell you. But, and here's what he says in verse 31. He says, wait for it, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Why did he do the miraculous? Why did he do what he do? Why is nothing impossible with God? Not so God can show off, not so you'll be impressed, not even so that your life will be better. The reason he does what he does is so that people will believe. He does it to make himself known. And the reason that we have this virgin birth is because it gets our attention. And we see that Jesus is not just some other baby who was born. He was not only fully man, but he was fully God. And he divinely came. And it's a reminder to each and every one of us that nothing is impossible with God. This Christmas season, I wanna encourage you because some of you are looking for some kind of miracle. Like you're holding out hope for something. I don't know what it is. But be reminded that at the very heart of this story is the truth and the reality that the things that we look at and say that is not possible, God says nothing's impossible with me. So can I encourage you? If you're frustrated, if you're weary, if you're waiting, look, sometimes the waiting's the most beautiful part, but it's also the most difficult. If you're waiting, Please don't give up. Please don't say that's all I can take. We got any football fans in the room? 
Anybody out there? Some of you are wearing your gear today. I choose not to look, but some of you are wearing your gear today. See it? I don't, I don't want to stir up trouble. We had a sister yell something out in the last service, and I think the Lord's going to judge her, and I, I don't know. Just... I'm a Steelers fan, have been since I was a little stop. Oh, yeah, thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Did you sense that spirit of revival, brother? I just, uh, I've been a Steelers fan since I was a kid. It's a tough year to be a Steelers fan. <laughs> We've had some games that are pretty hard to watch. Like, I don't know. Do we have any Lions fans in the room? <laughs> yeah, you ever tied the Lions? That's no fun. And... Um, so, you know, you can look some of that up. Back when that happened a couple weeks ago, at the same time, shortly after, in Pittsburgh, there was an obituary published for a guy named Wayne. Let me read it to you. Wayne, 76, of Crofton, Pennsylvania, passed away on Sunday, November 14th, 2021, after a long bout with the Steelers. This is how his family <laughs> published his obituary. He was at home with his family when they went into overtime against the 0-8 Detroit Lions, and that was all he could take. Dude passed away on his couch during overtime. <laughs> and this is how his family put the obituary in the newspaper. Because he just got so tired, so disappointed, so frustrated. He couldn't take an overtime. He had waited far too long. And he said, that's all I can take. You ever felt that way? Where you're waiting for something? You're looking for something? You're trusting for something? And you reach a point where you just go, I just don't know. Look, the angel told Mary, Mary, this isn't gonna look the way you thought it would look. And Mary, things aren't gonna go exactly the way you thought they would go. But I'm at work here because I have a plan. And as you're on the edge of possibly losing hope, don't you ever forget this, that nothing is impossible with God. Not only is Christmas a season of wonder, but it's a season of hope. And can I tell you, don't lose hope in this season because Christmas is a reminder that not only does God have a plan, but that all things are possible with God. And that takes us to the third thing I want you to see today. Number three, there is a savior. Third thing we see in this passage of scripture today is there is a savior. Let's jump back to it. Matthew chapter one, verse 22. Here's what the, uh, the, the author of the book of Matthew tells us. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, because God has a plan, that the virgin will conceive, see nothing is impossible with God, and give birth to a son. Now what you're gonna see when you go back and read this story for yourself, these first few verses of the book of Matthew, is that multiple times Matthew pulls on this same language from Isaiah's prophecy. Like multiple times he's gonna pull back and he's gonna talk about birth and he's gonna talk about a son and that's not there by accident. He's connecting all those things together and he did it in the verse just before this. It's, it's pretty well known, you might remember it. Verse 21 says, she will give birth to a son. It's the same language again, right? And you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. He came to be our savior. He came to be the one to save us. Remember, we're dealing with a prophecy here from Isaiah that has double fulfillment. So when he talked about the son being born, it was gonna be a sign that King Ahaz would be saved from his earthly enemies. What's interesting is he was saved from two short-term enemies only to have the one that saved him become his next enemy. 
See, it seems like at times when we get saved from our short-term circumstances, that's great until there's another circumstance. Isn't that true? (laughs) What I need is not saved from my short-term situation. I need saved from the ultimate things that can do me in. I don't just need saved from the thing that's right here in front of me. I need saved from the thing that's on the other side of this life. I need to know that I can live this life with hope and with peace and with joy, not because just what's happening today, but because I know that there is someone who can save me from death and someone who can save me from sin. And then when I look at my mistakes and my regrets, it's good to know that that's not the only thing that defines me. You know why? Because there is a savior and Jesus came to save us. The question is, have you allowed him to? Have you allowed him to be your savior? Look, we we talk about the Christmas story, but it can be real easy to just leave Jesus there in the manger, but that's not how the story goes. Because after the birth, if you keep reading, as we keep looking at the story, we find out that he lived a life without any sin. He followed God perfectly, and yet he was crucified. But wasn't that crucifixion when he paid the price for your sins and mine? He died on the cross so that we could be saved. He is our savior. And then on the third day, he rose again and he's alive today, which gives our lives hope and meaning and purpose. We can put our trust and our confidence in him as our savior and as our Lord. And that's the point of this Christmas story. And what you need and what I need is a savior. Someone who can bring me what I need that I can't get for myself. I need peace. I need joy. I need purpose. And I find that through Jesus, my Savior. But even more, right? I don't know about you, but I really do enjoy the gift giving at this season. Like anybody else, I love to get a gift. But I'll tell you, as I've become, I think as I've become a dad, I like to give even more. Like there's something that happens in that. And when we think about gift giving, we usually think of it this way. We usually think someone takes a gift and then they give it to us. That's what we think about when we think of gift giving. But what if this were to happen? And this is not a prophetic word because this is not going to happen. Track with me here for a minute, okay? It's not gonna happen. But what if I walk up to you in the atrium right after service and I say, hey, you know what I wanna do for you? I I wanna give you a gift. Can I pay off your mortgage? Would you let me? You'd let me. If I said, hey, I have a gift to give to you, but the gift is I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of your student loans. Would you let me? Right? If, if, if I was able to say, hey, I can take that disease away from you, or I can take that pain away from you, or I can take that neighbor away from you. No, I can't do that. I, don't, I can't do that. That's, that's more of a moth. I can't do that. And so, like, like but, but if I could take something away from you, would you let me and consider that a gift? Absolutely you would, because if I just gave you something, sometimes that's just a short-term fix, but there are things that when I take them away, you know what I actually give you? I give you freedom, and I give you relief from a burden, and I give you the opportunity to have resource and energy and, and, and something new, and your life can be changed, not because I gave something to you, but because I took something from you. And that's why Jesus is our savior. Joy's great and wonder's cool and I take all the hope I can get. But if I can be freed from sin and death and fear and pain and anxiety and he can change my life in a way, then everything else comes as a benefit from that. And I'm so thankful I have a savior, true? Yeah. Look, what some of you need in this season is to not just know he's your savior, but let him be your savior. 
For some of you, it's a moment where you need that freedom to go, Jesus, I, I give my sin to you. And I give my past to you. And I receive your forgiveness and your grace. But some of us will call Jesus our savior, but we only let him save a little sliver of our lives. Like we let him deal with our past, but we don't give him the opportunity to be tomorrow's savior too. And that's huge in this season. Because we talk about the wonder and you walk in and see the lights and you hear the music and you eat the cookies. Can I get an amen for the cookies? We're starting that soon at our house, aren't we? Praise God. Like that's, like I'm glad for all that. But for many of us, this is not a season that's just filled with joy. For some of us, we come into this season and it's a struggle. Because you know the loss and the grief. And the things are different this year than they have been in the past. And some of you know what it's like to walk through this season with depression and loneliness. To be overwhelmed and filled with expectations that you don't feel like you can meet. And this year, your finances or your health or whatever puts you in a place where you go, I just ain't feeling it. Let me show you a passage of scripture. When Jude writes and blesses the church that he loves at the end of the letter that he writes in the New Testament, Jude says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, I'll sign up for that, anybody else? And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. And everybody said, amen. <laughs> amen. Why does this matter? Because he didn't come to just be the savior of this little sliver of your life. He came to keep you from stumbling. He came to give you life and life to the full. And this Christmas season, can I encourage you? Look to the God who has a plan for whom nothing is impossible and be willing to say to him, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this on my own. And I give you every portion of my life where I need you to be my savior. This is what Christmas reminds us, that there is a God who has a plan for whom nothing is impossible, that he came to save us. And here's the fourth thing, number four, last thing that I want you to see today. Number four, God is with us. Number four, God is with us. Back to the text, Matthew chapter one, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets, because God has a plan. The virgin will conceive, because nothing's impossible, and give birth to a son, because he is our savior, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is this Old Testament Hebrew word. And Matthew, when he wrote this, knew that many of his, his people that are reading this are gonna be Greek-speaking people. They won't know that word naturally, so he just throws this in here. They're gonna call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's a good reminder, isn't it? There's hope in that name that God is with us. He's not just for us. Isn't it good to know that there are people who are for you, that are on your team, that are right there beside you? You know, somebody that shoots you a text says, hey, man, I'm for you. I'm on your team. You get kind of that attaboy. You can hear them in the stands. They're cheering you on. It's good to know that there are people in your life who are for you, but I think there's something more than just those who are for you. One of the things that I need healing from in my life is that I watched too much wrestling when I was a kid. Anybody else? <laughs> Like, I saw things I'll never be able to unsee. 
as I watched that. But I remember, especially like tag team matches, you'd watch this and two, two people would be in the ring and they'd be wrestling, right? And they're going at it and there would be people outside the ring who would be for them. They'd be yelling their name. You get him, smash him. You got it, not on you go. Come on, hang in there. We're with you in this. And there would be all these people who would be for them outside of the ring. But at some point, when that poor dude's getting smashed by Andre the Giant, if that gives you kind of my frame of reference, right? Well, that's happening. If he can make his way over to that side of the ring and he can reach his little hand out, even if he's unconscious, and he can tag his partner, now all of a sudden the guy outside the rope is not just for him, he jumps in and he's with him and he's bringing a chair. Can I get an amen? Right, do you know what I'm talking about? And then they just, they go at it together. Why? Because over here he was just for him, but now he's right there and he is. He's with him and he's fighting for him and he's right there beside him. And I love it that there are people in my life who are for me, but do you know what I really need? I need somebody who's with me. And so when you read that passage of scripture, God's not just up in heaven saying, Atta boy, I'm so proud of you. No, I love you down there. No, he left heaven when the virgin conceived and gave birth to a son. And when he came, and boy, are we going to look at this more next week? Don't miss next week. He came, and when he did, he came to be Emmanuel. Not God for us, but God with us. Matthew didn't want you to miss it either. Right, so the very first time that he pulls from the Old Testament prophecy, he does this one from Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14, where he reminds us that Jesus came to be Emmanuel, God with us. And John has already told us that when Matthew writes this book, he's got more than enough material. Like he's not trying to, 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 to figure out how he's gonna fill it up. He's got more than enough stories to tell. And when Matthew ends his gospel, this is really important. When Matthew ends his gospel, look at the very last thing he shows us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. 28 chapters later, he says these words from Jesus. Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We call this the Great Commission. You ever heard that? And then this is how he wraps it up. And surely, say this with me, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, from the very first Old Testament prophecy in the book to the very last recorded words of Jesus in the book, Matthew wants to sandwich for this all together for you. God is with you. You're not on your own. You're not by yourself. And he's not just cheering you on from the sidelines. He is in the arena with you. What you're walking through and what you're going through. And this Christmas, I just, so strongly he wants you to know that he is Emmanuel, and God is with you. So let's go back to where we started. Let's go back to the very beginning of this story in Matthew, when the angel comes and talks to Joseph and kind of clues him in on how this Christmas story is going to go. I, I pers- maybe it's because I'm a dad, but I personally think that Joseph is the most underrated character in this story maybe even in the whole gospel. Can you imagine being the guy who gets picked to be the earthly representative of what a father and a man should be for the Messiah? That's a pretty, that's a pretty tough bill. He must've been a pretty good guy. 
And then we see this in the story. He must be a pretty good guy. And then can you imagine the shock when the angel shows up and says, let me tell you something about your girlfriend, right? And then the frustration and the disappointment because all his plans just got blown up. This is not how he had lived his life carefully, deliberately, hard work, righteousness, ethically, a man of character, and now this is the story with my girlfriend? Can you imagine how that hurt? And now he's got to work out relationships. Tell that to your parents. Explain that to your customers. Figure out this new relationship with your fiance. Oh, and by the way, you got to plan a road trip. We're going to Bethlehem. And he's like, I don't even have GPS yet. How am I supposed to do this? Blew right past the exit. It's interesting, you know, and you, all these emotions and feelings. And then think of the joy, he becomes a dad. Like the wonder of that experience. And then the shepherds and then the wise men. I mean, you, you, the rush of emotions that this dude has to face through this whole thing. And then he has a dream and God says, time to move again. Pack them up, Joe, you gotta run for your life. You gotta go to Egypt. It's probably not a much more pagan secular place, but dude, you gotta go. The uncertainty, the fear, I gotta get a job, I gotta get some cash. How am I gonna, how am I gonna, how am I gonna, how am I gonna, and all these emotions that would come. And that's just in two chapters, friends. And as I walk through all that, I guarantee you, some of you sat there and said, well, I can relate to Joseph. I've had some of those emotions. In fact, I've got some of them right now. In fact, that's where I am on this Sunday in December, 2021. And it's funny because as Matthew's writing this and he's gotta be thinking about all this and he knows everything that what the angel just said to Joseph is about to blow up all his plans. He says, you know, Joe, all of this was written to fulfill this, that God didn't come just to be for you. He came to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And more than anything else we've looked at today, I just couldn't help it but think that some of you just need to hear and be reminded before you blow past anything else in this Christmas season that Jesus came to be God with you. He's Emmanuel. So can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment, watching this on TV, or you're watching this online, you're in auditorium too, you're sitting here in this room, wherever you are right now. Look, would you be willing to admit that the Holy Spirit might be speaking to your heart very clearly right now. And maybe you needed reminded today that in the midst of everything going on in your world that God has a plan and you can trust him. And if you're waiting today, would you just be reminded that nothing, nothing is impossible with God. And maybe today what you really need is, is an opportunity to just say, God, I need you to be my savior. Whether it's forgiveness of sins for the very first time in your life or just asking him to help you not stumble through this Christmas season. But more than anything, I know that there are some of you who before this service ends, you just simply need to say, God, will you be with me right now? It might be because you're looking at one of the most wonderful times of your life or you're facing a circumstance that you're just not sure what to do. But if you would say Emmanuel, 
I need you to be with me. Would you just stand right where you are? Whether you're in this room or not, can I ask you just to do that? I wanna pray with you. If you would say, God, I need you to be with me in this season, just right where you are, will you stand? It's kind of a step of faith. It's kind of a moment just to say, God, I can't do this on my own right now. Lord, this situation in my home, my finances, my health, my work, this season, whatever it is, if you know that God's speaking to your heart, don't, don't miss this. That's all I'm gonna ask you to do, just to kind of stand to your feet and say, God, I give this to you. Is there anybody else before we pray? You just need to stand and say, God, I need you in this season to be Emmanuel, God with us. Awesome. Heavenly Father, thanks for your word and the way that you speak to us. The way that your word is, is alive and knows how to come right to us. And Lord, I pray with my friends that are standing today because God, you know what's going on in their hearts and lives. Lord, you know exactly whether they're in this room, they're listening to this podcast, they're, they're watching this on a screen somewhere, you know exactly what's going on in their world. And you're not just for them, but you're with them today. So Lord, would you fill their hearts with wonder at the plan that you have? And Lord, would you fill them with hope as they trust that all things are possible with you? Jesus, for the one who needs you to bring forgiveness and grace to them today, Lord, would you help them as they open up just to find you as their savior? But Lord, may we go through these next few weeks in particular, and would you remind us, Holy Spirit, over and over again that you are the one we look to. You are the one that we trust in. You are Emmanuel, and you are God with us. You're fighting our battles with us. You are walking beside us. You are making a way where there seems to be no way. You are bringing healing. You are bringing provision. You are bringing grace. You're bringing wisdom. You are the one who never leaves us or forsakes us. You remind us from beginning to end that you are Emmanuel and that you're God with us. So Holy Spirit, would you just seal that in our hearts? May we not forget that in this season. Lord, even as we walk from here, would you go with us with your special favor, your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can I ask everyone to stand with me again today? Thanks so much for being with us. Again, if you're watching online and you're new to Calvary, I hope you'll uh, click on the link that's there. We'd love to know more about you. If you wanna know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, stop by new here today. We would love to pray with you, talk with you about that. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday. God bless.